You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Thursday, May 12th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home editorial director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home news writer Ryan Scott. Happy Thursday, everyone. As I am contractually obligated to remind you, it is almost the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if that was actually in your contract. But, you know, it could be. I, I, I would. I probably should have read it better than I did. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some news hit right before we were going to go on the air, and I thought you know it would be irresponsible of us not to uh, talk about this on today's podcast, even though it wasn't originally on our plans. But Castle Rock Entertainment, which uh, it just recently relaunched its film division in October announced today their first project out of the gate is going to be a sequel to the 1984 cult classic this is final tap so uh, academy award nominated uh director rob reiner you know he did when harry met sally a a few good men princess bride he made his directorial debut with uh this is final tap as a and he's going to return on screen as a marty D. Berge, I think was his name. Uh, and in here, he's going to helm the sequel. It's going to reunite the entire cast. That includes Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, and Christopher Guest. Uh, the nucleus of England's loudest and most punctual ha- heavy metal band. And uh, 
they're screening this as Final Tap at the Cannes Film Festival on Wednesday, May 18th, so next Wednesday. And uh, this news came out of there. Uh, apparently, it was uh, deemed to be culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress. And there's this quote from Rob, Rob Reiner here. When it was announced that Spinal Tap would reunite for one final concert, Marty DeBerge said or saw this as a chance to make things right with a band who viewed this as Spinal Tap as a hatchet job. So, uh, you know, Frank Marshall is producing here. Um, and uh, I, I mean, this is Spinal Tap is a comedy classic. I also don't – I don't even like calling it a cult classic because I feel like it's just a comedy classic at this point. It is. Um, but I'm very hesitant to be excited for this because, you know, as it, it, funny as all of the people involved are, they are getting up there in age. And I'm not really sure I want to see them, like, rocking out as a heavy metal band. I don't know, like – you know, it, it, it almost makes me sad some days to, you know, see Harrison Ford as Indi- running around as Indiana Jones nowadays. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. What, do you, what are your thoughts on uh, – what do you think they're going to call it? This is Spinal Tap again? I, I, I don't care what they call it. I, this is just a big – I, I have the complete opposite reaction where I'm just like, absolutely give me this. <laughs> absolutely give – I will take the gamble on – this like I would the the upside of this to me like the good version of this is a gift, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. you're right. There's a chance it's not a bit like, but the difference with like aging rock stars that's something we all have seen. Like we've all seen like there's those videos recently of like Bon Jovi singing, and like everyone's like, oh my god, what's happening? You know, and like <laughs> there is such an opportunity here to like play with that. That's the difference between like Harrison Ford doing Indiana Jones and this. Because they can lean into that hard in this. And like that can that can be the humor. Like that's what this can be. Like whereas like Indiana Jones, I know what you mean. Like that can be a bummer. But this this that almost helps this. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. And Indiana Jones, they're trying they're they're almost acting like he's just, you know, Indy a few years older. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't that that's not the the uh the reason to do a new indiana jones movie this if i will give you this ryan if this is final tap um which i mean obviously rob reiner with this quote sets up uh an antagonist relationship of the band and the filmmaker and obviously they them thinking it was a hatchet job and made fools of them um i like that aspect of it but if they set this up as kind of like a play on you know um all, all, all the, the 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 older bands that are out there still rocking out uh, way after they probably should have um, you know retired. I, I think I think that could be an interesting angle. I, I will say I, I'm a fan of all of these people, um, and they're all still funny. They're they they're all still doing uh, great stuff that like I'm, I'm watching. So it's not like, I don't want to see this. It's, I don't know. I guess I'm hesitant because this is spinal tap is so great. And yeah. Recapturing that magic could be tough. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't know that premise alone of like, because the first movie they're already on the decline kind of, and like, that's the whole point. 
And so like they're almost viewing this documentary as like as like a way back in and they have like a big ego about it. And then so the idea that all these years later that they view this thing that kind of was maybe going to help save their career as a hatchet job like that already (laughs) is such a good idea. Like just picturing those older versions of those guys sitting in front of the camera with him, like being like angry at him. Oh, I love that so much. Well, there's so many musicians out there that almost view like their number one hit, like with disdain. Yeah. Because they're like, they're forced to play it at every, you know, at every concert. And it's like, they want people to like their new music. And I, I could totally see them doing that with this. And, you know, people love this movie that makes them look like buffoons. Oh, and yeah. Can you buffoons. imagine, like, can you imagine, like, new Spinal Tap music in 2022? Like, I. Yes. I'm grinning from ear to ear just thinking about this. Like, because I don't know if you listened to it, the, because there was like a second Spinal Tap album that came out that wasn't with the movie. And there's like some excellent songs on there, like Bitch School is a song that I absolutely love. I think it's my favorite song out of any of them. And like, but but again, just the idea of trying to play that song now, <laughs> like with like the PC crowd and stuff, because like the whole idea of like Bitch School is that it's all about like do- taking actual dogs to like a school for, for dogs to make them. But it makes it sound like they're talking about women. So it's like, like, but the idea of like them trying to play that. So I don't know, just I can already see so much. There's a if they do this right, if they stick the landing on this, it could be amazing. Spinal Tap Two, Spinal Tap gets canceled. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, okay. Let, let's move on from that. Uh, let's talk about the streaming wars because we've there's been some interesting stuff in the last couple weeks. I know you did an episode with Ben talking about Netflix. Uh, right now, we uh, yesterday we got some information on Disney and how they're doing with Disney Plus. Are they experiencing as significant of a decline as Netflix? Uh, sure aren't, Peter. Uh, so <laughs> D- Disney had a, reported its first quarter earnings yesterday, which is, I, I don't really know how this stuff all works, but it's like weird that it's happening two months after the first quarter ended. But anyway, uh, Disney Plus added 7.9 million subscribers uh, in the first quarter. Uh, that is a 33% growth year over year. They are now at 137 Point seven million subscribers, which they've managed to do in about two and a half years. Uh, also, uh, that you know, that's not their only streaming concern. Uh, Hulu uh, added another three hundred thousand subscribers, which now has forty five point six million total, and ESPN Plus added a million, which is pretty interesting, for twenty two point three million total. Uh, now, where things get interesting is you know revenue and and income sort of missed a little bit, uh, but. Uh, part of what was kind of almost buried in the report, it, it, not buried, but but is that Disney had to spend a billion dollars uh, to get uh, the quote was the amount due to a customer to early terminate license agreements for film and television content. What that boils down oh. to is that Disney paid like a billion dollars to essentially have content available for its streaming services but it was essentially money paid to cancel deals that were already in place. Now I've talked about this elsewhere, but a big thing that happened before the streaming wars kicked in is that, you know, everyone had deals with cable, cable carriers and networks and all this stuff for their content. Well, you know, then when everyone wanted their stuff for streaming, you know, you got to pay, you either got to pay a lot of money to cancel those deals or, or you got to just let the clock run out and Disney opted to pay to, you know, and a billion dollars is no small thing. So, you know, 
But the good thing about that, Ryan, is that's not going to be something that we're going to see next year in the earnings because, you know, like you, you might see it next quarter because they're still probably paying for some st- stuff. But that, you know, once they decide to pivot and go with the, their own streaming service, uh, you know, in the future, they're not going to be making deals or you would think they would be. No, probably deals not. Would- Pro- but things are shifting again, though. The Netflix like I, I, I have a lot to say about this, but but like Netflix losing their subscribers and, and the crash that has occurred has made everyone rethink everything. A- anyone who thinks otherwise is 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 kind of a fool. Like if you don't think there are major conversations happening at every gigantic studio right now about, you know, maybe hold on, let's think about this for a second, because <laughs> like because, you know, granted, great, because but Disney is doing great. But there's a ceiling and they're just going to hit that ceiling faster. You know, that's the only thing is they're going to they're going to hit the same ceiling that Netflix hit. They're just going to hit it quicker Then you know, so everyone needs to consider that ceiling. And yeah, I, I mean, there is a ceiling, but I think I don't know. I, I feel like whenever a movie does badly at the box office, all of Hollywood takes the wrong lessons from it. Like they, they, they yes. analyze it and they don't take the, the, the right lessons. And I feel like the the right lessons to take away from what happened to Netflix for me is that people want quality content. They don't want quantity of of crap. I think that's that's certainly a lesson, but I also think that the notion of one of the big things that I argue with Netflix is that they don't have any diversity in their portfolio. You know, streaming is is still just a part of Disney's businesses. Uh, um, Cable and other um, what you would call like DTV revenue is still accounting for more revenue than than streaming is for Disney. Yeah. yeah. You know, so as much as cable is going away, you know, it's still a bigger earner for the company. And, you know, so that's something to consider. You know, they have theme parks, they have box office, they have a far more robust home video market than most people are giving them credit for. They have a lot of things that aren't streaming. If streaming suddenly went away tomorrow, Disney would still have a gigantic business. Netflix would literally have almost nothing, you know, except for a gigantic library of content to sell somebody else, you know, but like, so it's in that way for a lot of other companies, it's okay. To what degree do we want to put how many eggs do we want to put in the streaming basket? Because before it seemed like most people were putting most of them in the streaming basket. Right now, you might want to say, maybe let's not put all of them in that basket because we might need to look at a diversified business. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think if if Netflix had something like one TV show on the level of like Stranger Things every two months, not even every month, but every two months, they would not be seeing the problem that they, they that's are seeing that's today. that's easier said than done. Yeah. Oh, every, oh, oh I'm a, uh, yeah. I'm a, yeah. I mean, and, and the I was other listening problem to slash film cast and they mm-hmm. were like, oh, uh, you know, Netflix has said that they're going to be turning up the quality. And like they were joking yeah. about, you know, oh, Netflix just needs to push the quality button. They, they hadn't been pushing that. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, it's not, not that, that easy. And, and that's the thing is every streamer wants quality stuff, you know, Paramount Plus at the gold mine with Taylor Sheridan. You know what I mean? Like, you know, him being able to sit there and just, you know, do what he's doing, but not, but you know, that's one guy, you know, once that runs out, then what do you do? You know? <laughs> and so, you know, it's the same thing with like, you know, yeah, Stranger Things is great. And it's, and it's a, and it's a once in a, 
once in a generation hit for for any anyone, but that's not so easy. Most of Disney's hits have come from gigantic recognizable IP. Netflix has time and time again tried to buy IP that they can turn into something, and most of it hasn't worked out. You know, it's yeah. not that easy. That's why these acquisitions Disney has made over the past decade and a half are so important because that bought them brand recognition. You know, that bought them the ability to put Turning Red on Disney Plus and make that into such a gigantic appealing thing for families to help grow Disney Plus. You can't do that with an original movie that doesn't have the Pixar name attached to it. You know, it, it, it's it would be really tough to argue that Netflix could just generate that sort of goodwill. Oh, I, I definitely agree with you. But I mean, when you have your executives worrying about producing that much content, you look at that and you flip the coin to HBO and you look at what HBO has been doing, you know, before the streaming wars and now with HBO Max, you know, they worry about producing some quality content. Like, you know, it's it's not about them producing, you know, releasing a few shows a week. It's it's them, you know, having one good show on the air at at, at any given time. Yeah. And I think that's what Disney Plus is doing really well. And I think that's going to. Uh, I mean, even if you don't like shows like Moon Knight, I, I know that like that that show has had a very divisive response to it. Um, it it's still got a lot of people to watch. And I think people are going to yeah. as, as, as long as they're producing these Marvel and Star Wars TV shows and, you know, also Pixar, they're going to be doing some stuff. And like, I, I feel like people are going to be watching. Yeah, there's that. And then there's the idea. The other big thing, too, is that when you do have one of those big shows, Netflix burns it out in a weekend because. They're, yeah. they're still, they, but the problem is Netflix is absolutely married to those binge drops. Like th- that's the one thing that like, I am certain as a company, are, they would, they would are love. You sure. Because like I've seen recently, they've been doing this thing where they do part one and part two of a season. Well, I think that's them trying to sort of have their cake and eat it too, because they know people are still expecting. I think the thing is Netflix, if they could just flip a switch and know that it wouldn't piss people off they would start doing like Mandalorian style things where you get one or two episodes at first, then a new episode every week or something. Yeah. Um, but I just think that like their, their subscriber base would riot, you know? So like, so because that's, that's a big part of Netflix is the appeal of being able to just binge a new season of something because that does also separate them from the pack now too. Right. Like where like, you know, okay, Mandalorian, you got to wait week to week. Netflix does something. You can have it at your, you know, your desire. But the problem with that is then you burn through that content really quickly because people, they're not talking about it for eight weeks. They're talking about it for a week or two. Yeah. Um, you wrote this article on the site. Uh, we talked about this briefly last week, but we really didn't get to go into it. So I, I wanted to talk about it now about how Netflix should seriously start considering going theatrical. Do you think that is going to is that the solution to the Netflix's problems? I have no idea. I am not a business person. I, I find this business shit interesting from a guy who loves movies and <laughs> writes about this stuff. Here's what I do know. Diversified businesses seem to work in general. Disney has a pretty diversified business. It works for them. Netflix caught a rocket and took it to the moon but the moon kind of just blew up under their feet so like you know you need something else and during CinemaCon what happened was John Fithian who is the CEO of the National Association of Theater Owners 
who essentially represents all of the exhibition business in the United States, in, in North America, uh, all, all movie theaters, that this is kind of the guy that is meant to represent their interests. Dur- during a panel at CinemaCon, he said, I, you know, they were talking about the Netflix stuff and rather than be smug and make some comment, you know, that he brought it up and he said, I represent the movie theater owners, but Netflix, we love those guys. Uh, Ted, uh, Ted Sarandos, who is Netflix's CEO, knows movies and TV better than anyone else in Hollywood. He's crazed about his content. Our door is open for bigger, broader play of Netflix movies if that is a pay- path they want to go down. They're movie fans like we're movie fans. That was kind so- of a cl- classy move i thought yeah but like i don't know i feel like i was at CinemaCon a few years ago and there was a whole resistance from the theater exhibitors of being like you know day and date they're not gonna do if netflix wants to be in their theaters they need to have a theatrical window and i don't think that's something netflix wanted to do i mean that wasn't something netflix wanted it wasn't that's the key it was not then has it changed well I don't know if it's changed a ton in the Netflix offices, but I think what has changed in the business is that the pandemic shortened theatrical windows greatly. It used to be that when we talk about theatrical windows, I don't know if your average person really understands this, but like um, it used to be like for a bigger movie, it would be an almost like three month window before it could go anywhere else other than exclusively, exclusively being in theaters. Um, now, that window, even for the biggest movie, is is kind of shrinking to about 45 days. Spider-Man No Way Home was a very rare exception because that movie just kept making money. So Sony was like, screw it, we're not going to, you know, and Sony, Sony also doesn't have a streaming service to 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 help. So so they're just like, OK, we're going to keep taking box office dough here. Uh, whereas like the Batman made most of its money in 45 days, then ended up right on HBO Max. So the problem with Netflix is they want their movies on Netflix and theaters don't have a lot of motivation to show those movies if they're playing for free on a streaming service. So sometimes Netflix will put movies in theaters for a little bit, mostly to qualify for awards stuff, but they're only in theaters for exclusively for a couple of weeks and not a lot of theaters carry them. The idea here is that it seems like the theaters would be willing to negotiate. Let's figure out what a reasonable exclusive window would be for your movies. And, and let's talk about that and let's get these movies playing wider. And then for me, my thing is you look at a movie like The Gray Man that they have coming up, which is the new Russo Brothers action flick that costs $200 million to make. Okay, you put that in theaters for, let's say, even 30 days before it hits Netflix. If it can even make, let's say, let's be, let's say it makes $150 million, that is at least a way to offset that gigantic budget. Then it services your subscriber base all the same. The thing we found is that the Batman had the second biggest debut of anything on HBO max, even after it was done in theaters. So you can make $760 million at the box office and then still do gangbusters business for HBO max. Netflix could pivot to that sort of model, I think. Hmm. But do you think Netflix is willing to give a window? I guess is the big question. I think it would come down to what, cause I don't know what it would have to be. I, I, I suspect for, for it to make sense for theaters on a wide range, maybe like 30 days for these bigger movies. You know, and I'm not saying they would do it for everything, but I'm saying for bigger things. And again, the pressure is not there to, you have to profit at the box office. It gives 
a lot of attention to these movies. The people that want to see them on this big presentation can, and it can offset those gigantic budgets is the big thing. So it, that's really what it is. If you want to make a $200 million movie and it's got to make all that money back in subscriber dollars, that's tough. If you can make even half of that back in box office, well, that starts to offset your costs, a co offset your costs a lot for content spending. You know, so I just think that it's something that Netflix should at least consider. You know, again, yeah. I say that yeah. from my chair, but I, you know, what are the, <laughs> I mean, they, they have to figure something well, the, out. Well, their other plan is to cancel all these uh, people that are sharing their passwords. That, that, that sounds like a bad plan to me. No. And that does sound like a bad plan. And I think you'd build up a lot of goodwill with the exhibition side of the business. You'd build up a lot of goodwill with people like me that I'm frustrated when there's a big movie out on Netflix. I would, I would love to go pay to go see it in a theater, even though I already pay for a Netflix subscription. Some of these yeah. movies, I'm just like, please let me go see this in a theater, you know, cause I've had the good fortune of, you know, being at fantastic fest and stuff. And some of these Netflix movies premiere there. And you just think to yourself, it is a shame. Other people aren't going to get to see this this way. You know, so I think it would really benefit them in a lot of ways. I know you hate to hear this, Ryan, because you're a big uh, movies versus uh, TV guy. But I would like to see Netflix shows in theaters. I would like to see, you know, Stranger Things is coming out in a couple weeks. I, I would love to be able to go to the cinema with a bunch of people and sit there for, you know, three and a half hours and watch, you know, four episodes of, of Stranger Things. I don't, th I, I don't have anything. I, I just, cause I don't watch as much TV. I think a ton <laughs> of people would love that. And I think like you could easily have Netflix making deals with like, let's say Netflix cut a deal with the Alamo draft house or something. Yeah. And like a chain that's expanding a cool hip chain. And they're like, okay, cool. When Stranger Things comes out, you know, we have a deal with the Alamo draft house where, you know, it's like a cheap ticket or something, or your ticket comes with a free Stranger Things snack pack or something. I don't know. You make some sort of cool arrangement with a with a theater chain, and people can go watch Stranger Things in a theater if they want. Again, that's good press. It's goodwill for people that like to do it. It's fun. It's interesting. And I think, like, they, you know, getting – if Netflix could help get seats in theaters – like get get people into theaters with that or whatever. It's not even about the money for Netflix. It's, it's some of it is goodwill and and a bit of a diversification diversification in that way. I just think it would be I, I think it'd be tough for them to dismiss that out of hand. I mean, I I agree with you. I just don't see them doing that. Like you know, with some anything that people would care about, like something like Stranger Things. Um, I mean, you talk about films, but like I I feel like the Netflix films. Even on the big end of that, like what was the biggest Netflix film they've had? Uh, well, you had like Red Notice, Extraction, Bird okay, Box. Red Notice. Do you think that like people are gonna be excited to go see Red Notice for a month in theater? Like, if you said we're gonna put Stranger Things in a month for in theaters before it hits Netflix, people will go to the theaters. But would Netflix be willing to risk that? Like that doesn't seem like a, I think with, I think with the shows, it wouldn't be like an exclusive window like that. I think with the shows, it maybe be, you can go see some of it a week early. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. cause, cause the, or like I said, that's why you'd have to work out a deal with like an exhibitor. where like, Hey, we'll, we'll essentially fill these theaters for you, you know, and you can sell popcorn and food and stuff, <laughs> you know? Cause like, that's what it would be. Right. It's a way for them to fill a theater. So I think like with the shows, they'd have to work something out. The movies are where I'm talking about, like, you know, because that's more of a traditional like, yeah, you pay to go see a movie. You know, that's yeah. just the way. And I know. Do I think that two hundred million dollars worth of business were going to go see Red Notice? No. Do I think that the numbers that 
it pulled in on Netflix indicate that maybe some people would have went to see it? Yeah, maybe. You yeah. know, but I think something like The Gray Man, that to me strikes me as something people would go see. I think I think a lot of people would have went and saw Extraction. You know, I think you would have maybe gotten like, you know, John Wick numbers out of Extraction. You know, like, so I, I think there's some of these things that, because there's certain movies that Netflix makes that are very much like theatrical movies, but then they just put them on streaming. I think if they just started selling them as these are movies you go see in theaters, you know, they could they could make some money back. Yeah, that one with um, who was it? Sandra Bullock. Yeah, Bird Box. Bird Box. Bird Box would have done really well in theaters. I think Bird Box would have done incredibly well in theaters. And again, yeah. that's also some of these ones, like some of these smaller movies and stuff they do. Like they could actually be money makers for them if they do it right. You know, yeah. like because there, there's ones that I do think would do well for them. But again, I'm not a business guy. I just seeing what I've seen in the past few weeks. It just you've got to do something. You can't continue to do the same thing and. It's pretty clear that theaters aren't going anywhere. The box office is only going to recover more over the next couple of years. Maybe it's worth them looking at. Okay, let's talk about one last thing for today. Uh, you know, we've talked about Moon Knight um, at length on this podcast through our weekly episodes. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, is there going to be a Moon Knight season two? And I think to discuss this, we got to say, if you haven't seen the the season finale of moon Knight season one then you might want to tune away because there's probably some spoilers that are going to come out of this conversation but ryan what what is the prospects for moon Knight season two well uh look it's all about where the show left off right uh yeah. and the show left off in a place where that little stinger at the end there very much felt like okay jake lockley's here we have set up firmly that there is something to explore in a second season it almost felt like a teaser for a second season yeah and they also uh, introduced uh what's her name uh Layla as the what, what's her name the something scarab the uh, scarlet scarab scarlet scarab a, yes yes yeah but yeah the the very i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say what i was gonna say i just you know it's funny that people like somehow sometimes treat these like very very obscure heroes as like oh i've been waiting forever for that you're like really have you um but <laughs> but uh but uh but uh but anyway you know like no it's cool i thought it was neat but it's just funny that people oh but them. i'm just saying like they could do a moon knight season no, two which is no. the scarlet scarab you know, season one. Like, no, you know, totally. It's... There, there, there's a lot of things you could do in, in a second season. But let's be very clear. Having Oscar Isaac as your lead guy was a big part of the reason this show did so well. Um, yeah. And he and in theory, in a second season, he would not be one but three of your characters. So, you know, um, the problem is uh, back in April in a conversation with Variety, it was revealed that unlike other Marvel actors, he did not sign some big contract. It was a one and done contract. He signed up for one season. And so he was very clear about that. He said, I was in a position because I wasn't actively looking to get back into something this big to say, this is how I see it. And if you guys don't see it that way, that's totally okay. But then maybe it's not the right fit. And so I wasn't afraid that I was going to do the wrong thing. He then also said, I had heard of the golden handcuffs. That's something that I was reticent about. And luckily, we all agree that this show is what we're going to focus on. This is the story. And if there's any kind of future, I think it just depends on if people like it, if people want to see more, and if we find a story that's worth telling. <laughs> so I'm hearing two things here, Ryan. I'm hearing 
you know, that this is it. This is the the series. I mean, we've even seen Marvel tweet out that, like, this, you know, the series finale. Then later they tweeted out the season finale, which kind of um, puts their... That's the end. that's one of the... That was the next thing I was going to bring up, is that Marvel changed their tune on whether or not it was a series finale or a season finale. Yeah, but also, you know, Oscar, who's been saying this the, the whole promotion of the show... He's the guy that shot that end stinger scene, which clearly sets up more. So I don't know. I I think him saying that like this is this is it, and then now this quote, uh, you know, if people want it, I don't know. It, it, it kind of he kind of feels like the the rock star on the stage after he's played his song and he's gonna leave and he's you know waiting for the encore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except the difference is though. In, the, in this encore scenario, you've said he's standing backstage going to the venue owners, go, getting to negotiate how much it's going to cost them to get to do an encore, you know, and like so that, that, that's that's a great analogy because because that's the point, right, is that he's not under contract. So yeah. like not only just the second season of Moon Knight, because the thing is, Marvel's got big plans they have to be concerned about. So if they want to keep doing stuff with him. If Oscar's going to sign up for more, they're probably going to have to do more. They're probably going to have to say, this is kind of our longer plans with with your character. How do you feel about this? Oscar Isaac has every bargaining chip in the world. You know, he can he can say, I will only do this. I will do it for this amount. You can say yes or no, because I am absolutely going to stay busy with or without you. <laughs> so like because that's the thing is he's also not an actor that needs this by yeah. any stretch of the imagination and a lot of people would probably argue he might be better off without it <laughs> so like for him to for him to say cool i'm gonna do more of this and i might sign on for a little while it's probably gonna take just a dump truck full of money and a lot of creative control uh that that would be my guess I'm not sure if there's an enthusiasm around Moon Knight to do this, but it really seems like this Egyptian gods thing is ripe to be like another corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that they can expand on and have, you know, other shows that are not just Moon Knight. Yeah, especially because they had the ties to Black Panther in it loosely. So I feel like you could kind of start sort of tie those worlds together a bit. Yeah, so I I wonder could they you know do a Scarlet Scarab season and then you know tee tee up at the end of that you know finally convince Oscar to to sign on the dotted line to come back for a Moon Knight. I mean, the other thing I I, I think we aren't thinking about is there could be a movie. Yeah, yeah, and I think he would probably be at this point maybe more interested in a movie, but um. Much in the same way, like Anthony Mackie, like did his show, but then he's Captain America now, and he's like Captain America deserves a movie, damn it, you know, yeah. like so, I like, and fair enough, like you know, but but Oscar Isaac is very much a movie star, you know. I'm not saying he's certainly not above TV; he does TV all the time, but you know, it goes to the idea that he doesn't. And I and I have been vocal about this the whole way moon Knight should have absolutely been a movie. And I had a bunch of people yelling at me on Twitter about that because people seem to like <laughs> six hours of nonsense, but whatever. Like I I'm, I'm done trying to convince people that, you know, more is not always better. <laughs> like it's just, that's just not the way that it is. But, um, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you could just see that the budget was stretched a lot and the ideas were stretched a lot. And I think forced to contain it, 
you know, a couple, a little, maybe a two hour and 15 minute movie might've serviced this better. Um, but, um, so like, a, and you could still do a Moon Knight movie because now you've sort of gotten the origin out of the way. Yeah. So like you could easily do now like a fully formed Moon Knight movie, you know, like there's nothing. The only thing that would prevent that from happening is Marvel's analytics saying, do enough people give a shit about Moon Knight? You know, well, like, that's the question. Like, do you think enough people care? I honestly have no idea. I think it's a weird sell. And I think the way that they approached it was weirder than I thought. Um, <laughs> and uh, I really don't know. Um, I, I got to say, a lot of my more casual Marvel friends, I've not heard a lot of talk about Moon Knight the way I heard about other shows. Um, that's kind of anecdotal evidence. But yeah, you know, I had a lot of like casual friends talk about Loki. A lot of casual friends talk about WandaVision. Um, you know, a little bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier in there. I've, I've really just outside of my hardcore nerd friends haven't heard a lot about Moon Knight, and I don't know what that says, but I mean, it is a more specific kind of show that's, and it's also not like you know the the biggest uh, sell on it was Oscar Isaac. Like yeah, said, and, a, like, and a lot of people do love Oscar Isaac, but. But uh, but yeah, like I don't pe- know. Pe- people knew, you know, Captain America. They knew Falcon. Falcon. They knew Winter Soldier. They knew Wanda. They knew Vision. They knew Loki. This was like the first real one that they had to sell it based on, you know, yeah, the star and it being Marvel. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like I'd be very curious to see where Miss Marvel and She Hulk go that way too. But but um, but yeah. So I don't know. I I I, I, I that's the weird thing about streaming is you know I like box office because it's transparent. Um, you know, like you can literally see to the dollar how many people are interested in a thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> like with this, it's, I don't know, I, I guess it's popular, but I, who knows? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I certainly think maybe the move would be, and again, this would require Oscar signing on the dotted line, but like have Moon Knight show up in other stuff, have Moon Knight show up in other, in other movies maybe and see what the interest is there. And then. If it's, you know, because then you're sort of introducing the movie going audience to that as well. Then if that goes well, then maybe you do a Moon Knight movie or something. But again, that's all. How much are you willing to pay Oscar and how willing is he to do it? Yeah, for sure. Okay. You can find more of all of our uh, stories that we mentioned on today's podcast on social.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at social.com. Please don't write us about Ryan talking about how Moon Knight should be a movie. <laughs> we get enough of the, the emails. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, please rate and read this podcast and Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.